This episode of the Fight Talk Podcast is brought to you in part by Vacated Title. Vacated Title is an elite design and lifestyle brand for wrestlers, promotions, and wrestling fans. VacatedTitle.com will be launching soon, and check out at Vacated Title on Twitter for the latest updates. Hey everybody, welcome to Fight Talk. This is Steven Jensen. Today's episode is my conversation with Martin Casaus, also known as Marty the Moth Martinez from Lucha Underground. And believe it or not, Lucha Underground is going to be available on Netflix starting this upcoming Wednesday, February the 15th. So you can catch up on seasons one and two of Lucha Underground on Netflix. So everybody kick back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Marty the Moth Martinez. Today, everybody, I have Martin Casaus, a.k.a. Marty the Moth Martinez from Lucha Underground. You can catch Lucha Underground every Wednesday night on the El Rey Network and other places, and we'll be talking about that very shortly. Uh, but first and foremost, Martin, how are you feeling, man? I know you're staying active. I know you got the acting thing going as well as the wrestling. Uh, how's the body feeling, and just how are you doing in general, man? Um, I'm doing great. I'm running out of hours in the day to get done all the stuff I want to get done, so... I'm just leaving my stockbroker job now. I'm on here with you, and then after this, I got two business calls I got to make uh, for the end of the night. Then I got to do my training. I actually lift some weights here, trying not to get fat. So, um, full schedule, running out of hours, but I'm solid. It's all good things, good way to be busy. Good. That's great to hear, man. You know, for what it's worth, I actually, I saw a YouTube video of yours that you put out around a year or so ago, uh, where you kind of, you had like a, like a handwritten schedule on your wall and it looked like it was jam packed then. And that was a year ago. I can only imagine uh, how much more busy you are. And it sounds like you're staying busy and that's really good to hear, man. As far as like Lucha Underground goes, I'm glad we're talking today because some big news came out. Uh, I guess it was this past week. Sounds like Netflix is going to be picking up seasons one and two with an option of season three of Lucha Underground. Uh, what do you feel about that? Because I think that's nothing but great exposure for the uh, for the company. I think it's excellent. The main problem with Lucha Underground is just not enough people got out of It wasn't available in their packages or for whatever reason. So everybody has Netflix. And that's just the way people are watching TV now. And so I think Hey, I know what I'm doing on my Valentine's Day, man. I'll be doing it as well. Um, that's awesome to hear, man. And it's it's funny you actually kind of segued right into the first thing I wanted to bring up. So you spoke about El Rey Network and how sometimes it's difficult to find Lucha Underground, especially if it's not part of your package. I knew about Lucha Underground for, for quite a while, and I knew the people involved, and I was always like, man, if I could just find the content somewhere, like, like I just need to be able to see this. And I got Sling TV about a year or so ago, and Sling TV carries the El Rey Network. And the, the first Lucha Underground match that I saw was you versus Killshot in the Weapons of Mass Destruction match. And so, I, I mean, I was hooked from there. I went back from season one all the way through to get caught up. Um, I actually had Shane Strickland, a.k.a. Killshot, on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's really cool that I, I got you this week. I mean, because you guys are the you guys are the main reason that I became a fan of Lucha Underground. That is awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad that's uh, I'm glad that match had the effect that it did on you. So I'm I'm, I'm honored. I appreciate that much. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Now it wasn't my first exposure to you, though. I I watched Tough Enough. And I that that was my first exposure to you, and you were, um, in my opinion, the front runner on that show, and you were eliminated due to injury. It had nothing to do with your talent or anything like that. It was it was injury, and I guess my next question for you is, obviously, it was m- might as well have been a blessing in disguise. You have so many awesome things going on now, but was there any reason why you never kind of went to the WWE after healing from injury, or did you try out with them, or kind of what happened there? Actually, it really was a blessing in disguise. It, it definitely just changed the way I thought about things. Because I, if I had gone on WWE Test Enough and tried to show off for a coach or something like that and hurt myself, all right, that's me being stupid. But that was just a freak accident. 
Buffett's away. Uh, things were for me. But I actually did end up having a tryout after Tough Enough at the Performance Center, which is an amazing place, by the way. I think in 20, December 2014, I believe. They told me, I, I, I was so close to the after Tough Enough, gave me his number, we kept in touch. Um, and I asked him straight up, what can I do to be better uh, at this sport? And he said, really, you you've got it, just keep practicing, keep working, and uh, try to put on some weights. I hired a personal trainer, uh, gained 40 pounds, and then I went to WWE Performance Center in 2014, and they said, all right, great, now try and trim up. All right. So, uh, I don't know, I went there, I had a tryout at the Performance Center, and I just heard and heard things that not at this time, so... There's a blessing in disguise because WWE Tough Enough, the executive producer, or whatever what it was on that show. But he is now Eric Van Wagner, who is the guy from Lucha Underground. So I wouldn't have gotten on Lucha Underground, I don't think, as easily without WWE Tough Enough. So I'm definitely there's a blessing in disguise, as you said. Yeah, wonderful. That's great to hear, man. Um, and speaking of the Performance Center, you know. Any, any big-time wrestling fan, you know, recognizes what's going on there uh, down at Full Sail University with, you know, the NXT show they do and all that great stuff. Um, and a lot of those guys are, are newer, the guys that we don't see on NXT TV, and they're there training. Um, my next question for you, who originally trained you? Um, I actually from right now here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, we have a school called WZW0. It is a guy named Steve Nelson and Derek Hubbard on training for teaching me the ropes, kind of helping me figure out this business. Uh, so they're the ones that I credit towards helping me out. Obviously, I went and learned from other places besides Utah, Mexico, here, um, multiple places across the country. But those two are the ones that started me out and showed me right from the very beginning how to do things. So definitely grateful for them. Gotcha. And, and were, were you a fan of professional wrestling growing up? I did. Well, I was late. I heard some people are being fans since they were kids, and I was late. I am 31 right now, in case you wanted to date me. Um, but uh, I was 31, and I didn't actually get into wrestling until I wanted my horse. Okay. Uh, so a little bit later in life, because I don't know, was at 18, 17, 16, 15, I was at 99, 97, 99, something like that. I don't know Yeah, man, and to date myself a little bit, I'm I'm 28, so not not too far off from you, man. And I remember back in those days, uh, especially like the late 90s, there was really no, there there still isn't like a real blueprint for it. But like back then, like you really had to know somebody who knew somebody to even get a foot in the door. Um, and and now and and you know I that's where I started uh, just for me as a fan I started researching and I remember like UPW way back in the day because I was like what's this UPW and there's lo and behold guys like John Cena Samoa Joe you know these kind of names doing and I was like what what's going on and then they wound up being big stars later on that all being said um, as a fan of pro wrestling and you said you got it a little bit later during the Monday Night Wars which is the biggest boom period, you know, up to this point in professional wrestling. I think we're getting another one soon. But who were some of your inspirations? Like, as a fan, when you were watching, who were you seeing? And you were like, man, I really want to be like that guy when I get into this. Um, it's uh, kind of interesting because I played football when I was in high school. Um, so Goldberg was really hot at that time. Goldberg had gotten Dallas Page. I was a WCW guy. I would not watch WWF. Dude, man, I don't mean to cut you off, but so I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and I actually have a roommate here who's kind of listening to the conversation, and we both grew up in Atlanta, which is WCW country, so I'm with you, man, we're in the minority, like, when I tell people that, they're always like, man, you know, screw that, like, WWF, and I'm like, dude, that you weren't watching when WCW was good, though, when WCW was on point, they were better than the WWF, in my opinion. Just judging now by the product, 
maybe it wasn't as good, but I was still entertained as a kid. I was loved golfer because of his football background, and I was in football, so I loved just going in there and showing people. I'm Dallas Page got my attention, and then he hooked me for sure. When he started having all these matches, my mom is a huge Jay Leno fan, and then all of a sudden he's on Jay Leno. They have a match with Jay Leno. I was like, what in the heck? This is retarded, but I can't not watch it. And Carl Malone from the Utah Jazz, he's from my homeboy here in Utah, so I had to watch that. I thought it was, I know Carl Malone can't wrestle, but it's something that I had to see. It's my hometown guy. So they're doing some crazy stuff, man. WCW all the way. Um, I was pretty sad when that thing shut down. Yeah, as was I, man. And, you know, we could talk a completely separate podcast on that whole invasion angle that every wrestling fan just wanted so much more out of. And that was, you know, that was disappointing how that all went down. And, you know, I understand both sides of it from the talent perspective as well as, you know, the company perspective. It just, the timing wasn't good with a lot of those guys' contracts. But, you know, it's... It just is what it is, but, uh, you know, I was a big WCW guy myself. Uh, speaking of Goldberg, what do you think about the run he's... Do you keep up with the WWE product currently? Um, I try to keep up as much as I can. I don't get to watch as much as I'd like. I just don't get a chance to watch TV. Like, you know, when you saw my schedule, I don't get a chance to watch, but I'm, like, I see it and hear it from a bunch of people who watch it, so I was actually very surprised with what they were doing with him. At this point, because he came into WWE and he was just another guy, and now he's tearing people up. I think it's awesome. Um, I'm curious where they take it, though. So I think it's going to be a lot where they actually end up with it. I'm curious, though. It's got my attention. Yeah, I don't know if you were able to catch it like this past Monday in, in any way, shape, or form, but the direction they're going in is, is Goldberg and Owens for the Universal title, um, which will potentially wow. set up Goldberg and Lesnar uh, for the for the belt at WrestleMania. It's very interesting to me because I have the same perspective as you. I remember Goldberg coming in and them just kind of making him, like you said, just another one of the guys. They bring him back for the second run and put them put him over you know their their monster right off the bat like it was nothing. Like, this is how they, that WCW was. You go in there, just destroy people and leave. Like, that's what it was before. It's crazy. It's reminded me just of that. And speaking of WCW, being a fan of WCW, what's it like being in the same locker room as Rey Mysterio nowadays? Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, I actually am going to be wrestling him for, remember I told you I trained in Salt Lake City, Utah for the very first time. That's why he started. We're having a 15-year anniversary in March here, and I'm actually looking at Rey Mysterio, and I get to get in the ring with him again. So I'm actually pretty excited about that. It's my birthday weekend. Uh, it's going to be a great way to cap off 15 years of wrestling in Utah. Um, but it's a blast. Like, you have to, when you're in the locker room, you have to take your, your fanboy out put it in your pocket because, man, you're looking at Rey Mysterio. But then you got to make sure you do your job and not just fangirl out. Um, but that's, it's, it's, I get that fanboy still in me every time I see him. And uh, I try to play cool, play, try to play cool, but I'm like, I'm just, you know, just chilling in the locker room, it's Rey Mysterio, just doing it. What else? Let me go. Yeah, just. I'm trying to jump up and down, doing the flips. Sure. Probably, like, what? Well, I mean, how can you not be, man? I mean, he's one of the guys you grew up watching, and now you're you're going to be working with him. Is this is this the first time you're going to be in the same ring with Rey Mysterio? Uh, no, actually, every Aztec warfare, um, Rey Mysterio's been the one that eliminated me. Um, I don't know how much warfare's. Um, it's, uh, I think we're for one and two. I don't think I got two and one this one. I think third. I don't remember. Um, I also, uh, I was able to get in the ring with him in a six on six match at the, at Triple Triple A, which is, it was their actual WrestleMania show. They call it Triple Mania. So I went to Mexico City for the first time and I got to wrestle at their WrestleMania show against Rey Mysterio in front of 20,000 people. That one is so far my most memorable time with him. Uh, so I'm, that one's going to be a hard one to beat. But hey, on my birthday at my hometown uh, and the 15th anniversary, that's going to be given a run for its money. Dude, that's absolutely incredible. Um, and, and something about Rey Mysterio, 
that I've noticed in his run in, in Lucha Underground and kind of since leaving the WWE, he looks better now than he did the last 10 years, I think. I mean, his his work in the ring is phenomenal. Oh, I think his work in the ring now is better than whatever it was. I think there's a... Uh... When you hit a thousand awesome, cool moves in one match, it kind of loses its cluster. But I think now he's learned so much and he's been in the ring so much, or he can only hit, he can hit two, three, four of those awesome things. He can hit those other stuff still, but he hits two, three of those moves in these matches, but he makes them so much more important now than back in the WCW days. But back in the WCW days, he's also 100. 60 pounds or something like that. Um, but he's so much smarter now. I, I don't know if I should say this story or not, but I told him to love the podcast. I'm not going to deprive you guys of it. But since you're on the story of Rey Mysterio, you mind if I say something real quick? Oh, go for it. Absolutely. Like I said, my uh, favorite time wrestling Rey Mysterio was uh, when Lucha Underground was introduced to Mexico when uh, AAA's biggest show of the year. It's called Triple Mania. It was me, uh, And you can cut. You, you can cuss on the show, by the way. You can unedit it. Oh, awesome! Yep, yep. Awesome! Yeah, he's like kick me, pussies. I'm like, oh, well, there's three big ass guys, and we're kicking you already. Kick me harder, pussies. I'm like, oh, he's calling me out right now. So that's um, awesome. <laughs> but we already were stomping him, and the crowd's been they were booing us. But because of his ring experience, he knew. Hey, if we started bailing on him even harder, the crowd would get on us even harder. You just see the ring veteranness, his experience, his skill level. Um, just knowing of, hey, this, doing this will make the crowd do this. He's so good. He's so good. Man, that's a great story. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, he's he's absolutely incredible. He's timeless. I mean, he's been going hard since the. Of the mid '90s, it's already been that long. It's crazy. Now, another another name you mentioned was uh, Prince Puma, also known as Ricochet, on the indie scene. What do you what What are your opinions on a guy like Ricochet? Because he's got a ton of buzz right now about him, and the kind of work that he does is unlike anybody I've ever seen. Ricochet's probably, if not the best, one of the best in the world right now. Um, he can, I I really just think I know. Cliche, and I think it's Devils. The guy grabbed the gravity for God. So I just think Trevor really is one of the best in the world. Um, he's he's so good at putting matches together. Um, and he just flows so simple. Um, I feel very well coordinated when I'm in the ring with him and everybody else. He just flows so well. He really is one of the best in the world. And another another thing you mentioned was you you enjoy being a bad guy, also known you know as a heel to to the layman's uh, professional wrestling marks, also known as a heel, the bad guy. With Lucha Underground, with the character of Marty the Moth Martinez, um, was that a character that Lucha Underground had uh, essentially created, and you're you were kind of quote unquote cast into, or is that a character you you came up with yourself? Oh no, that was one hundred percent the creators and writers of Lucha Underground. Um, in fact, I believe Martin Moss was in the original set of the Underground. Like, they, they come in on TV shows saying, hey, this is going to be about, here's what the character's going to be. I don't even think Martin Moss is in there. This is just the brainchild of the awesome writers on each show. So, Christopher Joseph, Stallman, 
Um, the other person in said, hey, so, oh, actually, I was a magician first. And uh, they're trying to get out by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that in the jersey. So I was a magician. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I'll admit, I forgot about that. You're that good. You're that good at playing Marty the Moth, man. Yeah, I, I am very much glad that I Marty the Moth worked out because that was a fun, so much more fun than being a magician. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, no, Chris Joseph came up to me and said, "Hey, we're going to be doing a safety here for you. You're gonna." Uh, you're going to be in the Goth tribe. Uh, that's going to be one of the tribes. You're kind of like a child. You're not all married. You're kind of like you. Like, oh, okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm like <laughs> you. Um, and uh, so we, that's what we started with, and it just evolved from there. But that's literally all they came, they came to me with. And then uh, during rehearsals, I dinked around with Melissa, and was whispering in her ear something, and uh, he's like, oh, why don't, why don't you do that? And I'm like, do what? Like, yeah, do that. Fuck you like a moth. That would be hilarious. And he's like, all right. He's like, do you really do that? And he can't help you So that's how it, it literally started with that. Hey, did you from the moth tribe? You're not all there to rehearsals, and now all you see is me messing with Melissa. Um, and the character just evolved. It, it, I honestly think... Yeah, I'd agree, man, and and I'm thoroughly entertained by by what you do, man. And like I said, you're you and uh, Killshot are, I mean, you're the ones who hooked me into the product, man. And uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a very big fan. Uh, you mentioned the Lucha Underground uh, writers being geniuses, and and I definitely agree. Lucha Underground is the only company that I watch, and I watch so much professional wrestling, man. I mean, everything you could possibly think of, and Lucha Underground is the only show that I watch where I will watch Lucha Underground and then turn on the WWE and get bored. And, you know, and, and it's, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's the, the production value or that it's just so different than what I'm used to watching. I can't really put my finger on it, but, but in the in-ring action is, is unquestionably phenomenal. So I, I mean, you're, you're on point or you're spot on. I mean, it's a genius show. And, in a in a handful of words or sentences, like to somebody who maybe has not seen Lucha Underground before, like how would you describe Lucha Underground to a fan who doesn't really know about it? It is a TV show that has wrestling in it. So, in a quick version, we got time travelers, people coming back from the dead, crazy people kidnapping people, and uh, women's rights all wrapped into one show. Yeah. So, well. It, well, mentioning the women's rights, I have never seen a show before where the women go that hard in the ring against the guys. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, I think it was more accepted in Mexico and considering where the show's kind of based out of it, the roster, um, they kind of brought it more into, but the, we brought that into America. Now you're seeing a lot more entertainment matches in any promotions. I think that's kind of the underground. Yeah, and, uh, Huge difference. You're never, you're never going to see Pam dance and then die. We have killed people in our show. Yeah. So. Oh. Oh yeah, man. One of the f- it was it was eye opening to me. I, I saw a match. It was it was this past season of Lucha Underground. I can't remember the women involved, unfortunately, off the top of my head. But they wrestled Pentagon Dark, and. Pentagon Dark looked like he was murdering these women. Like I could not uh, believe. Triad, right? Yes, yes, that that was it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so part of me is almost like I, I don't know the best way of wording this. I feel I feel like some people might not like seeing that, but I loved it. I mean, as a fan of pro wrestling, you know, I'm like this is amazing, but. Do you think you might is there is there any like negative publicity do you think to be to be found in something like that maybe? Oh, absolutely. Like you said, some people just don't like that. However, there's a weird dichotomy where people are going to complain about Pentagon doing that to women. However, 
don't go to the Avengers and watch the Black Widow kick the crap out of somebody and then have a giant fight and get beat up then too. That's a great point. So it's really, and I don't, I've been trying to figure out the difference, except for the fact that this is a movie versus TV. But I really don't see the difference. And what we're trying to do with the Nutriverse, I call it the Nutriverse, is create our own superheroes. I want Pentagon Dark to be a big, massive bad guy superhero. And uh, I want people to believe these characters as strong characters in like a comic book or a superhero movie. So that's what we're shooting for and that's what we're hoping for. So that's what we want. We want that to be just as accepted as we see in the Avengers. Um, But yeah, much, much, much negative negative press on that. Um, Some praise, uh, some... Absolutely, and and I'm one of the people that supports it, man, because I think that I think it just makes the women on your show seem that much more badass. Like the fact that someone like Sexy Star could be the main champion of the company, and nobody who's really a fan of the product has any problem with it. Yeah, and she was the first one to win a television uh, heavyweight title on any TV program in history. So that is what Lucha Underground did. It's made history by sexually start winning that. Um, but I believe women should be noted as strong too. You, you don't see Black Widow and the Avengers cowering down saying, oh, my dear, and wearing, well, she wears her growing stuff, but that's not her forte. That's not what they're trying to put across. Yes, she's sexy, but she can whoop some ass too. And that's what we're going for. And that's what we, we should be portrayed more is women can kick the crap out of people too. Uh, I don't know if you saw the master team there post on Sexy Star, but there was blood everywhere. There was just chaos. Those two girls destroyed each other. It was one hell of a match. Yes. So that's one, again, one other thing that we've said to each other quite apart and uh, has some negative press. That's some good press, but hey, we're doing something different, so it sticks out either way. Hey, and you, you nailed it, man. It's something different. And I think in the world of professional wrestling, that's exactly what the fans need is something different. We've seen way too many companies come along trying to be the WWE. And now now I, I understand like there's a formula that they that they use that's obviously successful. And there's other companies that are gonna be successful running a similar type company, like a company like like TNA Impact Wrestling, for instance. Been around a long time do kind of what the WWE does just on like a smaller scale. But Lucha Underground is doing something completely different. And you were mentioning you guys are like a almost like a movie. Like like the the women are like the villains from like an Avengers movie. And that's the exact kind of vibe I got when I watched you and Killshot in in that Weapons of Mass Destruction match. It was like the final scene of like the big boss battle at the end of like some epic trilogy, you know, and and it was right off the bat. You, you didn't even make it on the entrance ramp, and you guys were in the crowd going after it from the, from the from bell to bell. And my next question I have for you, man, whose idea was it to do a double stomp off of a ladder through a table? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember now. It was one of minor shades. I don't remember. I remember the uh, writers and Vampiro and the staff saying, are you freaking serious? That's what you're going to do? And we're like, yeah. And we got on top of the ladder just kind of make sure you see how high it was, kind of judge things, how high do we go and stuff like that. And uh, it's all wobbly up there. I'm like, we're doing this. Fuck yeah, we're doing this, man. Let's do it. All right. And then we looked down and Vampiro and the writers were like, all right, whatever you guys want, just don't die. Like, all right, cool. Noted. So, uh, I, I, it was either me or Shane, but honestly, I don't remember. It was funny because in that match, there was so much that happened, and most of it we gave to each other. Um, as far as he does a DVD, and we teased that a couple times, and then we ended up doing a DVD on a ladder, and I told him to do that move. And then he told me to powerbomb him on the outside uh, in two tables. So we kept giving each other stupid stuff like, dude, you could do this to me. That'd be cool, right? You could powerball me to these two tables. Yeah. And we just kept giving each other stuff that did do to each other. It was, it worked. And I don't know, Shane's just amazing. I was actually speaking to him today earlier. Um, but uh, that was an amazing match that I'm very lucky to have been in. 
Yeah, it was amazing. It was like watching, like playing the the 2K WWE video game and starting with, you know, 10 finishers each. And just okay, <laughs> just just good, just good, just go after it. Like, like, like you were saying. I mean, there were so many points in that match where I was like, "This is it. Th- th- nobody can keep doing this." I mean, that and it was like move after move, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I actually showed um showed my buddy who's who's actually in the room right now. He hadn't seen that match until yesterday. I was like, "Man, I'm, I'm interviewing Marty the Moth. We got to rewatch this match, man. You got to see this." And he was compl- he's been watching wrestling as long as me. I mean, since you know the mid mid nineties, and he was speechless after that double foot stomp. And that was actually his question um, that he contributed to this podcast. He said, "Man, you got to ask him who came up with that move." I honestly don't even remember. It was me or Shane. I don't remember which one uh, actually came up with it. But we kept giving each other moves to do to ourselves. Which we both kind of giggle at. Uh, it's like we never. What other job would you go and say, "Hey, will you throw me ten feet down to the ground to a table?" I love my job. <laughs> Speaking of uh, a wrestling, I did go by that. I haven't bought a wrestling game in ages, by the way. I loved No Mercy back in Nintendo sixty four. That was my jam. WCW Revenge, No Mercy. But uh, I finally came and bought the new two K seventeen game that's out. Dude, you're gonna be you're gonna be mind blown with this because you know I with this game because I'm I'm like you, dude. My favorite video game system of all time is the Nintendo sixty four. I played the hell out of those wrestling games. I mean, starting with. I think it was uh, WCW NWO World Tour was the first one that used that engine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you could play as, like, guys from, like, New Japan at the time and stuff. I mean, it was crazy. And and then, you know, Revenge and to No Mercy, which, in my opinion, I still think to this day No, no Mercy is the best wrestling game that, that was ever created. I still think it holds up. Absolutely. But what you're going to notice about these new games with the amount of detail, you can go online and somebody out there has created pretty much anything you could possibly imagine. You can just download it right onto your console. It's really unreal the the amount of detail and work that some of these fans are putting into you know the online content. And but I will say, man, you you, you can't beat the old school N sixty four games even to this day. I played Nintendo New Mercy. I played New Mercy this weekend actually, so I still have my Nintendo sixty four hooked up. And then this weekend, I said, screw it, I'm going to relax a little bit to the Super Bowl. Uh, and uh, I just played games. So I played a little bit of 2K17, and, and I played for No Mercy. Man, No Mercy is still the best ever. And I still took out the graphics. Putting that in gold, my man, I love the Nintendo 64. I've got a working 64 in my closet that will be coming out tonight, I believe, because now that I'm talking about <laughs> it, i got to get back on that. We, we talked about you becoming a fan in the late 90s and uh, some of your inspiration, some of the people you really liked uh, as a fan. And then, you know, you went into your training and became a professional yourself. Who are some of your favorites that we might not have talked about so far that you've gotten to work with in the ring as a pro? Raven. Um, I used to love the flock. The MCW, I got quick to Raven nevermore. I loved that. Jimmy Snuka was the guy that I really wasn't a huge fan of, but I knew his importance in the wrestling industry before I wrestled him. But Raven was one of the big ones. Um, Ray Mysterio, obviously, that's still a big one, and I still get stoked about that. Um, during WWE Tough Enough, Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't do much wrestling. I wasn't able to put him in a headlock, so I could say put Stone Cold Steve Austin in a headlock. That hell, was fun. Hell yeah, that, count, that, that, that counts, man. That's... I'm, I mean, that's. Those are things that are that stick out to me right now. I'm trying to remember my career and what I else I've done there. Raven's a big one there. Well, speaking of Raven, uh, I I always hear from from multiple people, you know, that that Raven's mind for wrestling is is very unique and. When you when you wrestled him, did that kind of show like was he doing stuff and telling you stuff in the ring where you were like, man, I've never thought about doing something like that, and, and it just and it worked. Um, he didn't say it. However, he would actually go around. Oh, Psycho Sid, Psycho Sid was another one that was fun. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, Psycho Sid and Joey Ryan went at it. Raven, though, he would actually listen to people's matches, put together matches, and was like, hey, why are you trying to do this? Or this? How does that make sense? He would break stuff down 
on people that they were they, he didn't have to and he, he was there to do a job and he didn't have to go in and try and help everybody's matches but that's what he did and it's great because obviously he has no experience in muscle he has not awkward so he does he thinks different he didn't say anything during that match but he did uh, say some things before and uh, he actually mostly just called it in there he just we just did it in there and some of the stuff was ridiculous but it was fun and the crowd went insane for it you know, and speaking of Raven, you mentioned being a fan of the flock. Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing Scotty Riggs uh, a couple months ago, and I was. Oh, wow. It took everything in my power not to just sing the American Male song over and over to him. Like I just wanted, I just wanted to be a kid so bad. He's a real good guy, and and he had some pretty cool stories about you know back in the day when he was running with the flock and back in his ECW days doing the Scotty Anton thing with RVD and stuff. Uh, he was a real good dude, Scotty Riggs, and he's really active on Twitter. Like he's on there all the time. Cool. Yeah. And back then, I loved uh, Billy Kidman. That's the shooting star press. I was so impressed. Yeah, the seven year itch. I remember he used to go up there and and stand on the on the top turnbuckle for like what seemed like forever, and then. He'd, he'd do the, uh, I mean, at the time, I was mind-blown because I'd never seen someone do a shooting star. You know, later on, I saw, you know, Liger doing it. But I know he originated it and, and that stuff. But but seeing Kidman do it, I was always, I always felt so sketched out watching him do the shooting star press. Because he didn't go feet overhead. It was more so, like, to an angle. But he almost always pulled it off perfect. And that's really what mattered at the end of the day. I, I was a big fan of his as well. Who are some uh, Who are some dream matches of yours, man? Uh, I guess give me a couple names of people, maybe that like aren't realistic. You know, maybe you know when I talk to people, you know, it might be like a Bret Hart or something like that. Um, who are some people from like the past you you really would have liked to have a quote unquote dream match with? And then who are some guys that are out there currently, or, or girls for that matter as well, uh, that you haven't gotten a chance to get in there with that you would really like to? Honestly. So as I was telling you, I got hooked into wrestling because of WCW with Goldberg and DDP. And then when WCW closed down and I started to do my wrestling training, um, the one that hooked me with everything it did and the one that I actually tried to emulate my career off of is Shawn Michaels. I love Shawn Michaels because I can see, I feel like he, when he was in the ring, he was having fun. Um, and you could see him having fun and uh, kicking around and hanging out with this friend Hunter. So uh, I, that's something that I always wanted to emulate. And I would I, uh, I, I was able to shake his hand one time as a high vibe, and that's it. And, but that is someone that I always would hope to, uh, would hope to inspire to be as, as good as, or at least something. I did not emulate that. I don't know if I'll ever be as good as anybody. He never, never say never. Um, but he's just so good. I think he is. He made wrestling. He and Shawn Michaels is made me. So I love getting the name Shawn Michaels. Um, as far as guys currently that I would like to wrestle, there's so many guys that I want to work right now. Uh, it's just so good. I think right now, I think you kind of hit on it earlier before. I'm saying that right now is probably the biggest time in wrestling since the Monday Night Wars. We're getting some good wrestling, and it's hot right now. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I agree 100%. I mean, just the amount of exposure, um, even for like the smaller companies, because now, you know, I, I use the term independent wrestling a lot because, you know, that's kind of how fans know it as, but it, independent wrestling doesn't really technically, in my opinion, even exist anymore because these are all legitimate companies. Like a company like Evolve, they, they're mainly streaming, you know, iPay-per-view type stuff, but I mean, that's a legitimate, like, that's a viable way to make a living, to get booked as often as those guys get booked, and, and a lot of them make some damn good money doing it. Um, there's nothing amateur about that to me. Right, no, absolutely. And I think we're going to get closer to the way things were before, where maybe there's these hot promotions in this region, and you might, I'm not going to say the territories are coming back, but uh, you're going to probably see, hey, this is a good and good promotions here and here in this area. Uh, so people may be able to just do loops like that, like back in the old days. Uh, there's some indie promotions out there that are stellar. So uh, 
with the advent of the internet coming out, making wrestling available for everybody, and the fact that I could Facebook, if I went to a show right now and I was a fan, I could Facebook live whoever I wanted right now. With Facebook live, a whole match. So somebody in Canada could watch a match in Oklahoma City that's going on live. So with the advent of the internet, the IT families are going to see some good stuff coming. And just professional wrestling as a whole, there's going to be some great, great times going ahead. You mentioned wrestling in, in Mexico before, and we're talking about some different companies now. Is there anything on the on the agenda as far as maybe working in Japan or some other countries, maybe over in the United Kingdom, something like that? I'm in talks with a place in the United Kingdom right now. Um, I'm in talks with another place in Mexico besides AAA. I have not heard much about Japan, unfortunately. However... I have a lot of stuff going on, so it's kind of one of those things on my bucket list of things to do. But when you go down there, you go down there for several weeks um, at least, and that's a little bit hard on my schedule with what I got going on with all my outside stuff, through my business and other stuff that I got going on right now. But I have not heard much about Japan, however, UK is uh, on my list of things to do this year, um, and some more Mexico trips. And uh, I'll see maybe possibly Italy as well. Speaking of UK, I uh, the people that I watched as a kid, I, I didn't emulate him or something, but Dallas Wonderkid is uh, Alex Wright from WCW. Yeah. I Germany, yeah, I went wrestling in Germany with his promotion. Oh, oh wow. You know what? I'm glad you brought that name up, man, because that's someone I've never talked about on my podcast that was incredibly underrated as far as, like, I think the just the casual wrestling fans' kind of awareness goes because he was, he was like, super young in WCW, and I know he's, like, a multi-generation wrestler. Like, he, he like is, I believe his, his dad was involved, and he kind of fell off, like, the, the U.S. radar. Correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't he play, like, a really big hand in training a lot of guys over there? Um, I believe he did have some training there. Um, and we also now, as a school in Germany, we train some really good guys that are out there right now. Um, and uh, I got in the ring with him while I was there, just had a practice to be after the show. And the guy could still go. So it's amazing. When I hope that I could still go like that when I'm his age. I don't know what he is at this point, but hell, I've seen wrestlers that are 50 that could barely walk, and I've seen we talked about it very briefly we mentioned japan and i just want to get your uh your opinion on this if you happen to see it because the whole wrestling world's been talking about it for for weeks now did you get a chance to catch that okada versus kenny omega match from wrestle kingdom 11 that everyone's talking about I've been trying to catch that for a little bit of time there. Every time I think about it, I forget. I've been trying to see that for a little bit of time now. It's, uh, it should be on YouTube on here, right? Yeah, you could probably find it on YouTube. It's one of those matches that, like, you know, Dave Meltzer gave it his first ever six-star rating. So you're going to go into it already, like, with incredibly high expectations. And I think that it, I mean, it arguably is the best match I've ever seen. I mean, who's to say what is and isn't the best match? It's all going to be complete personal opinion. But it's a match you definitely, especially as a professional wrestler, man, you, it's something you definitely, uh, definitely should check out because they, they put they put on something, uh, you know, it was very special. It, it's a long match, but it's a, it's a very, very, very good match. And a lot of people are kind of comparing it right now to like the John Cena match that he had with AJ Styles recently. The two of them tear it up every single time, but a um, much different match than what they had, but uh, both great matches for sure. I did love that match. I think it was in SummerSlam or something. It was a more recent interview that I watched. That was actually way, that was amazing, man. Just working together as gold. Yeah, now, so, I, so they did have a, a great, great, great match that you're referring to at SummerSlam. They actually did it again at Royal Rumble a couple weeks ago and outdid that match. So, Styles and Cena at, at the Royal Rumble, I think, was the, the best match they've done so far. And, and that's saying a lot because, I mean... It's like it's like you, you would think they they'd like kind of run out of some stuff to do. Like I I don't I don't know where these ideas are coming from. I know AJ Styles is just for my money he's the, he's the best worker in the ring in the world right now. I I think he's just doing some some real, you know it's it's 
cliche to say, but he's doing phenomenal work. I mean, it's it's super entertaining what he does. And now that you got me thinking, there is two people that I think would just be super fun to wrestle, and it's mostly um, there's a guy in ROH that sounds really fun to wrestle. Um, he's the Peacock guy. Dalton. Oh yeah, Dalton Castle. Yeah. He, uh, for some reason, his his character just—it's it, it, interesting. I'm not saying that in a in a sort of way. It's just it intrigues me. It's I'd always wondered what the Dark Moth character versus something like that would be, and then throwing another guy who's supposed to be crazy with like uh, Dean Ambrose. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. So I think I could have some super funny thing, literally just working character, and I think it'd be fun just for me and them to kind of figure out what some fun stuff to do uh, between the characters that all three of us have. Dude, I I think that'd be awesome. Uh, I agree a hundred percent with that, man. I'd I'd pay good money to see those feuds, and you know I'm definitely not given pointers I mean this is this is from an outsider looking in of course as just a fan I don't know if you've seen uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Dean Ambrose's work as John Moxley on the indies but you can find his promo work from like when he was in Dragon Gate and stuff on YouTube nowadays and he plays I've, I've never heard somebody interview um, or cut promos the way that he did then and it, it reminds me very much of the Marty the Moth character um, so if you happen to, to if you hadn't seen any of those um, if you check those out, you're gonna want to. You're gonna want to work Dean even more after seeing that. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually saw some of uh, Moxie before. I, I always like to see people before they get to the Federation, see where they came from, um, what's their genius. Oh yeah, he's he's great too. Um, I don't know if you saw that he's he's hurt again. Yeah, I did hear about that. But I didn't hear much more than that he's hurt and. And he's pretty much going to miss WrestleMania unless he really, really, really is lucky. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's kind of the consensus right now. Is like WWE is an outright saying he's going to miss it, but that it would really have to be a miracle type situation, I think. But luckily for for Seth, I mean, he's a young guy and he'll rebound. It's just it just sucks seeing these kind of back to back injuries happen to a guy who's just so damn talented. Especially, you're about to go against Triple H in the biggest show of the year, and then, and then that happens on on such a on such a fluke thing. You know, Samoa Joe debuts, and I think I think he tweaked his leg just going down for the uh, the Kikina clutch. He was like laying down to take the sleeper hold, and his and his leg just just jerked the wrong direction, and it's just, just super freak injury. That sucks. I, I hate. I I personally hate. I hate injuries overall. With a freak injury like that, that's my really well. I guess I've had some experience with freak injuries, um, but uh, that's just something. Especially, it, it seems like every time you injure, it's right. It's either bad enough or it's right during the season we're rocking into WrestleMania. So, hopefully, he gets well on a speedy recovery. Yeah, and funny, funny Seth Rollins story. Like, he's told this before. I don't know if you've heard it, but you. If you haven't, you'll think it's funny being a fan of, of WCW growing up. But Rollins has told the story a couple times uh, since wrestling Sting. You know, he was he was Sting's last match um, of his career, and uh, Sting, you know, got hurt taking the buckle bomb, uh, just kind of whiplash effect. And Seth talks about how right after the match, he went to the uh, to the like the ambulance that was uh, attending to Sting. And he's like, man, Sting, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Like, and Sting's sitting there going, no, man, that that was, it was my fault, man. Like, it isn't you. And and as like the the ambulance is driving away, Rollins is going, I was Sting two years in a row for Halloween. I was you for two years for Halloween. And <laughs> and it's just you know that just kind of reminds me of you talking about you know Mysterio. It's kind of I'd imagine it's the same kind of feeling where you're like, man, I was a fan of yours as a kid, and now I'm right here with you, and we're we're peers. I'm not a fan, we're peers. You know that's that's so cool to hear, man. And, and I just thought that was a funny story about Seth. Um, last question I got for you, man. Where can people find you right now, um, outside of wrestling? Because I know you got a lot of acting stuff going on. Um, and I definitely want you to tell people where they can find you doing that. Yeah, I got a lot of acting stuff. Like I said, I'm a stockbroker outside of uh, wrestling. I'm an actor. Um, I run. A, I just opened up a supplement company last month. Um, so trying to get those off off the ground. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, all of them only the name Martin Casals. 
it's my name, so if you get confused on how to spell it, look up Martin the Moth, I'm right there. I'll be right there smiling at you. Um, but it's Martin Casas, C-A-S-A-U-S. But that hit me up. I just opened up a supplement company about last week, so I'll try to get that in the hands of people. If you are tired, need to sleep better, feel sore, trying to lose weight, or have any sort of physical ailment, let me know. I'd love to help any way I can. As well as watch Netflix in two in eight days from now, which well, okay, February fifteenth. I don't know when this one's going to go online, but February fifteenth uh, will be on Netflix, and then I'm on an Adam Sandler movie later on this year, which is also going to be on Netflix. And I got to wrestle with Terry Crews, the guy from Old Spice, and uh, yeah, I one thing I love about the channel is I get to do the acting part, and I love that part so much. So. Yeah, follow me on, on those mediums. Go to marketsouse.com, catch up, subscribe, and uh, I will make sure I give away, I give away stuff all the time. We just got done with the contest on marketsouse.com for those of people who put in their information. So if you want free money much, go to marketsouse.com. Awesome, man. Once again, dude, I, I thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you very much, Marty, and you have a great day, man. You as well. Later. All right, everyone, and that was... Martin Casaus, also known as Marty the Moth Martinez from Lucha Underground. And like we were saying, you can find Lucha Underground every Wednesday on the El Rey Network. Great show, great dude. I love that conversation. What a nice guy. Gave me a full hour of his time, and I really can't thank him enough. You can follow him on Twitter, like he was saying, and you can follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore. That's at F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Podomatic. Please rate and comment on iTunes. It really helps the podcast out a lot. It really does. I say it all the time, but it is the truth. And I even say that a lot of the time, too. That's how truthful it is. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please comment on iTunes, and please rate on iTunes. It really, really, really helps the podcast. You can also find my T-shirts, hoodies, long-sleeve tees, tank tops, pretty much everything you can think of at whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. Thank you very, very much for listening, and I will be back soon. The episode you just heard of the Fight Talk podcast was brought to you in part by Vacated Title. Vacated Title is an elite design and lifestyle brand for wrestlers, promotions, and wrestling fans. VacatedTitle.com will be launching soon, and check out at Vacated Title on Twitter for the latest updates.